Welcome to the latest First Voice podcast brought to you by First Voice magazine, the official flagship magazine of the Federation of Small Businesses and the go-to podcast for news tips and important information for small businesses. In this episode, we will be discussing IR35 and what you need to do as a small business owner if you use contractors and you haven't yet addressed the issue. Uh, IR35 finally came into force back in April after a year-long delay due to the pandemic and is HMRC's move to assess whether a contractor is a genuine contractor rather than a disguised employee, as they put it, um, for the purposes of paying tax. It's a big issue for any business that uses contractors as it puts the onus on the businesses to assess whether the role is a genuine contractor role or not, uh, and it's estimated it will affect 60,000 businesses 200,000 agencies and around half a million contractors in the UK. Now, given the disruption caused by the pandemic and Brexit, many businesses haven't yet put the wheels in motion on that. And while HMRC has suggested it will allow a soft landing of the rules, the time for businesses to act is now. Therefore, today we will look at what you can do now to protect your business from falling foul of IR35 rules. We will do that with the help of our guest today, Tony Woodhead, Operations and Business Transformation Consultant and an IR35 Specialist. So let's get straight to it. Tony, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Good to have you here. Um, right, look, let's start with a, a, a brief overview in layman's terms, if you don't mind, um, of exactly what IR35 is uh, and why it was brought in. I know it's it's one of those um, terms that people may have heard but, but might not fully understand. Absolutely. So first thing to note is that IR35 is not new. Um, when the HMRC used to be called the Inland Revenue, IR35 was brought in then to, in the year 2000, uh, and it was called Inland Revenue 35. In 2017, um, the, the employment law was, t- was changed, and it became um, the off-payroll tax, um, and it was introduced only into the public sector. Now, in April 2021, that rule has now been extended to the public, to the private sector, and um, and is now um, and is now in force. What has changed as, as part of that introduction is a reform to who makes the decision about whether that law is is applicable or not. And that's what the big thing here is and why there is such a big hoo-ha about it, because um, making that determination um, is, is a now piece of law. And to make a payment to a contractor without making a determination is deemed illegal. So uh, there is a lot to do um, around this. It's not a massively complicated. And as I said, it's been around for a long time. So there's a, a lot of people already have been compliant with this rule for a very long time. But um, let me give you a quick overview of what the reform is. So previously, IR35 meant that a contractor could make a determination on whether they were working for their client as a, a deemed employer or whether they were a genuine contractor. 
Um, so, for example, if I was a, a consultant and I went into a, into a firm to help them uh, make a bit of change, a bit of business transformation, and it was project-based, um, they were one of many clients I went in on a Wednesday, um, or I would send one of my colleagues along, um, I would be considered to be a contractor. And therefore, IR35 rules do not apply to me because I'm a self-employed uh, person. I run my own business. I'm separate to that person. However, if I went into their office on Monday morning at 9 a.m. and I left at five and repeated that over and over. If I picked up the phone and said, hi, my name's Tony Woodhead from X, Y, and Z firm that I was sitting in, in their office, using their phone, using their laptop, sitting behind their Chinese wall, I would be deemed employer, employee. So um, that means that I should be paying uh, HMRC, the uh, right national insurance and pay a Y tax. The Business as well that employs me as a contractor uh, needs to pay their contributions too. So that is a pension contribution, holiday, sick, um, and the other mandatory um, employment law payments. And most importantly, their employee national insurance of 13.8%. And that's what this reform is, is, is set up to do. It is to change who makes the determination of whether a contractor is a deemed employee and making sure that both the employee and the employer pay the right contributions. Yeah, brilliant. That's a really good overview, Tony. I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, you touched on the fact there that, you know, the onus is, um, is on businesses now uh, to deem whether, um, you know, they're using somebody in a genuine contractor role or whether they're effectively taking on the role of an employee, but as a contractor for for tax purposes, and that'll affect an awful lot of um, our audience as, as small and medium-sized businesses because they will be using a lot of sort of contractor and casual staff, right? That's right. And so, what, uh, what, you know, how exactly will that affect them uh, in their day-to-day, -day and what, what are the risks for them of, of, of not doing this now? Uh, so, the risks are um, it is actually illegal to pay a contractor uh, without making an assessment of whether they are inside or outside of IR35. Um, that came into law um, on the 6th of April 2021, so is law now. And so people's payments, so payments that are happening to contractors right now um, are subject to this law. Um, as you said earlier, HMRC are looking at a soft launch for this, um, but we have had, uh, it was supposed to come live in 2020, now it's 2021, so there has been a lot of time around uh, this to get, uh, to get ourselves compliant. So, um, whilst we're coming up to June the 1st, HMRC, uh, as patients will quickly, uh, will rapidly um, uh, decay, um, but what's very important is not only have we got to make it right, um, and become compliant uh, in the future. But you also must make sure that we're taking a note of what's happening now in the businesses so that if HMRC want to look back at those, at those uh, people who have been employed as contractors since April and making sure that the diligence has been done and the compliance has been met um, in a retrospective way. Superb. So it's clearly a big issue and it's clearly a, a pressing issue. So the big question is, how do you assess for, for IR35? Absolutely. And this is uh, the big bone of contention. So first of all, it's worth noting about who um, is subject to IR35. Now, if you're a company um, and you are hiring contractors, there, um, there is such a thing as the small business exemption. And that small business exemption, uh, exemption means that if you are um, having a turnover of, of 10.2 million or less, um, a balance sheet of no more than 5.1 million or less than 50 uh, staff, then you have small business exemption. 
What this doesn't mean, though, is that everybody who works for you, all the contractors who work for you, are exempt to IR35. The only thing it means is the reform to the IR35 change uh, rule um, is not is not um, is not valid to that company. So if you're a small business, you don't have to make the determination of whether a contractor is a contractor. But the contractor still needs to make their own determination. They're still liable by IR35. So they could work for a small company, but they still must make sure that they are IR35 compliant. Um, and so, that, so that's the, the first thing. What it means is that the rest of the companies, the uh, companies who are making a turnover of more than 10.2 million, are um, are subject to these rule changes. So they need to make a what's called a sta- stated determination. And they need to make a stated determination whether the working practices of that contractor would make them a deemed employee or make them a contractor. It is their responsibility, their legal requirement. And when they make the the determination, a letter goes out to the contractor to say, this is my statement of determination. And they have 30 days to object to that and et cetera. We'll go into into the processes a little bit more uh, later on. But uh, what's, what's important is that the company makes that stated determination. There is a couple of ways to do this. The uh, one that HMRC wants you to do is the CES tool, which is Check Employment Status for Tax. They have an online tool um, that many people will have heard of. It has come under a lot of uh, um, uh, criticism because uh, whilst it does look at um, the employment status, it, what it does is it forgets or rather it assumes that everybody has a mutual uh, a mutuality of obligation to each other. And that basically means that uh, the company uh, has an obligation to give the contractor work or the contractor is obligated to work for the contractor, to, for the employee. And that's not always straightforward. CES does not take in, in, into account this. But basically, if you were to look at uh, a job, you would say that person is sitting in my office or that person is working um, in my factory, etc. Um, and they are doing the same work as Joe Bloggs. They are representing my company to my clients. They're going to be inside IR35. It's, it's going to be difficult uh, to make these determinations without using the tool. But you can make a, a, a determination on your own. now. This is called manual determination, and if you are um, if you are uh, a whiz in employment case law, then absolutely go for it. But it's very time consuming. You have to make that ass- assessment, and then if you are investigated by HMRC, you need to prove that that employment case law is accurate. And then the third way is you would use a online tool or an online third party. Um, like IR35 Shield, which is a, 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 an AI-driven uh, solution. And if you're bringing in tens of thousands of, of contractors or millions of pounds worth of, of contractors per year, then that's probably the right way to go uh, because uh, it's very quick, it's cost-effective, and it's, very, uh, you know, it's not time-consuming. You can get through an awful lot of contractors in a very short period of time. But right now, I think the, the best way to do it is by assessed, even though I said it was under criticism. CEST is the only tool that's actually recognized by HMRC. It's their own tool and it's recognized. And if you put a status determination forward that says I use CEST um, and I was honest on that form, then they won't, co- they won't contradict the outcome from it. So that's, that's very good. Yeah, brilliant. That's really good insight. And, um, you know, there are sort of a number of knock-on effects for businesses i guess from from ir35 aren't there um given that often 
you know, bringing people in as a contractor is is beneficial to them. Um, you know, um, they're, they're able to to ramp up how much they they use those contractors uh, as and when they need them. They're also able to bring in sort of specialists for a short period of time when they need it. Uh, and then to turn that resource off again. So there's there's quite a quite a significant knock on effect of this. That's absolutely right. And you hit the, the the nail on the head there when you said you can bring specialists in, and this is where it becomes quite difficult. You're also looking at um, people who are um, uh, come under the subject of this law um, being large corporations. And I work with lots of large corporations who are made up of very small deposits of companies. So inside the big the big brand are small companies that are in competition with small boutiques. And those small boutiques, uh, while they don't have to make this determination, they can uh, allow their contractors to make their own determination and therefore they're not taking off the PAYE or the national insurance at source. That, uh, that employee can do that by themselves looking at their own books at the end of the year. So it makes, that, it makes the competition uh, with uh, the large corporations and the smaller businesses uh, really quite tight. And um, one of the organizations I work with is a very large um, holding company for advertising agencies and creative agencies and media agencies in the UK. It's one of the largest employers. And their companies are made up of these very small marketing creative uh, people, but they have to bring in specialists um, a medical, uh, one of the medical agencies there, they bring in heart surgeons to write a column for them. Now that for me would sit outside IR35, you're hiring a specialist and you and they're coming in from you know, uh, seven hours in the in the uh, in a, in a surgery down in the in in Bart's hospital, and they're going to uh, they're going to write a, a little column for you for one of your one of your publications. That for me is outside of IR35, but that's a status determination on that person still needs to be made. There is still uh, risk involved. There still needs to be accountability and proof to HMRC that that person is outside of IR35 and, this, and the determination has been made correctly. So competition um, is a knock-on effect, uh, which means also trying to uh, uh, retain or, or, or um, buy or retain staff becomes much more difficult as well. Then there's also a knock-on effect about how IR35 is managed, um, and this is the financial risk side of things. Um, a lot of companies are turning to umbrella companies as the solution, and um, it, it, is, it is a viable solution. But there are, uh, again, complications on how the employee side of things is paid for, and this is where we, we, we're moving into some serious territory. If you're if you're hiring a contractor through a uh, an umbrella company, that umbrella company becomes the end user. They're the they're the employer, and they're selling that contractor on to you. But they're selling it to you as uh, as workforce. The that means that that the the contractor is an employee of that umbrella company, and the umbrella company will take away uh, PAYE national insurance at source um, and pay their contractor on a uh, usually on a zero rate hours. They'll pay them their day rate. But what's what's upsetting about this, and actually what's unlawful about this, is that sometimes the employer costs are also passed on to the contractor. So the contractor gets the deductions, but they're also getting deducted for pension contribution, for apprenticeship levy, and most importantly, for employer national insurance, the 13.8%, which means their take-home is dramatically less. And so when they come in for a, 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 a role where it's paying national wage, uh, a minimum wage, their, their take-home is, is not national minimum wage at all. 
And as I said, this is uh, unlawful practice, and um, there are uh, there is risk about this as well. If if uh, a contractor says that they've had these deductions taken from them, they can take claim against the umbrella company, and likewise, the umbrella company um, it could prove that the end user, the client, uh, could be in full knowledge of this. And so, big companies who are uh, are using umbrella companies because they don't want to spend any more money. They don't want to have that risk of employing national insurance and they're seeing this as a way out, are in fact be, uh, creating risk uh, uh, of being of the liability. They're creating the risk of liability from um, from this from this practice. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah. you know um, that sort of uh, risk of um, you know d- deliberate um, action. There's sort of you know risk to small businesses of, 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 of just getting this wrong, I guess, as well. And one of the things that we've seen come into the market, as we often do when when uh, when new legislation or new rules come in, is um, an insurance product. So, That's you know, right. sort of IR35 insurance. Is that something that you think is useful to small businesses and something they, they, they should explore if they, if they use a, a high volume of contractors and they're nervous? Um, it is... Um, it is um Again, another another subject. Yes, uh, insurance against uh, HMRC um, investigation is probably uh, useful. Um, but before anybody goes out and buys a specialist IR35 insurance, what they should do is they should look at the current uh, insurance and see whether they have um, uh, liability, whether there's a, a section there around a tax, especially tax investigation, uh, because it may cover IR35. So they may already be covered for this. Contractors uh, could look into it as well because uh, the risk to contractors, if they are seen to be um, uh, inside IR35 when they claim this to be outside, the risk to them is could be up to 100% of their salary. So HMRC could say, actually, between this period and that period, you're inside IR35, and they could take 100% of their salary um, as, a, as, a, as a fine. So the risk to them is, is huge. IR35 insurance uh, is set up so that you can, um, if HMRC come to investigate, and it does take time for them to, they will come in, they will look at the books, they will shred it. There is time, inconvenience, uh, there's stress involved. So insurance around that is is very useful. But what IR35 insurance shouldn't be used for is for trying to get away with um, uh, circumnavigating the rules, just saying, oh, I'm going to buy IR35 uh, insurance, therefore, um, and, and, I, and I know that this is my risk. My risk is 13.8% on, on my uh, years of, of my contractor cost for the year, um, and the insurance will pay that off. Well, the insurance company won't pay that off. If you deliberately are avoiding um, uh, paying HMRC, then your insurance is, is going to be null and void. So, so insurance companies who come in and say, yes, we'll protect you if HMRC um, uh, investigate you, are expecting you to be inside law. They're expecting you to be working inside the law. So, yes, uh, yes, it is. Um, but no, it shouldn't be seen as a as a, um, a security blanket. Yeah, as is the case with uh, with all insurance, I would I would say. And just a final point then, really, um, in terms of um, you, you're out in the market, you're you're operating in the market. How are firms handling this it feels like it's a it's a pretty complex area um from your experience are small businesses attempting to tackle this themselves or are they looking to bring in consultants to try and help sort of get this in order for them what what, what sort of trend are you seeing around that well uh, this goes across um uh, a whole spectrum of of uh, of ways of working um 
Small firms are trying to do this themselves, but they're not set up. So a lot of them I've been working with have not been set up to deal with contractors at all. So, uh, for example, uh, I've been working with one client who only hires sole traders. So there's no contracts um, basis at all. Um, and there's no real paper chase around uh, who's working, when they're working, what status they're at. So before they actually start, they need to make sure that the books are in order, that contracts are in place, and that contractor engagement is um, a part of their policy. They have a, a process of, of contractor engagement, um, and that will hit into HR issues uh, and other employment laws like AWR, um, how they deal with uh, recruitment agencies and how they financially pay. Um, how, how, how they deal with the invoices um, and or whether they have that run their own payroll. Um, so there are there are a lot of things to, to be considered here. Um, somebody like myself would come into the company, look at the way um, the the company is is structured. So I'd do an audit of how uh, how they're currently structured, and then would make recommendations, write policy, um, help with the legal side of things, help with the financial side of things to make sure that everything is compliant. There is an, an awful lot of compliance around here, and HMRC will be looking at um, all of these aspects. So we've got to make sure that uh, all the uh, Everything is ticked, um, and I would suggest that if a small business is, is spending um, um, a, a good portion of the uh, yearly uh, the yearly budget on on contractors, then they should be looking at speaking to um, um, a, con uh, a consultant like myself, or most importantly, speaking with HMRC as soon as possible, so that they can get the rest help and advice from the right people. Yeah, that's a really good message, and I think a really good message to to wrap on. Um, thank you so much tony for um lending your expertise and for providing providing such a, a thorough overview of what's clearly a, a complex issue and one that the small businesses are still um grappling with uh quite a bit um uh, and, and and probably will be for for a little while to to come um i'd also like to thank our, our audience for for tuning in and, and listening to our latest podcast please do um subscribe to the First Voice podcast to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues uh, affecting you and your businesses. Um, and do please also remember that you can find a whole host of additional webinars, podcasts, and other content on the First Voice website at firstvoice.fsb.org.uk. Thanks very much for tuning in.